0: I felt good and all washed clean of sin for the first time I'd ever felt so in my life. And I knowed I could pray now. But I didn't do it straight off, but laid the paper down and sat there thinking. Thinking how good it was all this happened so, and how near i come to being lost and going to hell. And went on thinking. And got to thinking over our trip down the river. And I see Jim before me all the time, in the day and in the night time. Sometimes moonlight, sometimes storms and we were floating along, talking and singing and laughing. But somehow, I couldn't seem to strike no places to harden me against him, but only the other kind. I'd see him standing my watch on top of his instead of calling me, so I could go on sleeping. And see him how glad he was when I come back out of the fog, and when I come to him again in the swamp, up there where the feud was and such like times, and would always call me honey and pet me and do everything he could think of for me and how good he always was. And at last, I struck the time I saved him by telling the men we had smallpox aboard. And he was so grateful, and said I was the best friend old Jim ever had in the world, and the only one he's got now. And then I happened to look around and see that paper. It was a close place. I took it up and held it in my hand. I was a trembling, because I'd got to decide forever, betwixt two things, and I knowed it. I studied a minute, sort of holding my breath, and then says to myself, All right then, I'll go to hell and tore it up. Joining me on the podcast today is Carly Spidell here to talk about perhaps the great American novel Huckleberry Finn. Uh, We'll talk about the history of it Mark Twain's influence and the controversial history and uh, how Huckleberry Finn is treated in modern times. I hope you enjoy welcome to the blue collar book review podcast Joining us today again, Carly Spidell. Welcome back to the show, Carly.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, so today, I was you are one of the most well-read people I know, and when you told me you had not read The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, I was shocked, especially because we went to the same high school with all the same teachers and took the same classes.
1: Oh, you read it in high school? I think so. Oh.
0: I think I read it in high school, and then I read it again in college.
1: We read way more lame stuff.
0: Yeah, oh, you guys read Moby Dick. That was your great American novel. No, didn't
1: you? I read that, but not for class. It was terrible. <laughs> um, I I just remember having to read, like, The Grapes of Wrath. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. The Grapes. No buenos.
0: <laughs> you, uh, I'm, I'm really <laughs> glad you're opinionated. It's great. <laughs> So, the first time I tried to read Huckleberry Finn, we were at Grandma's on the ranch. Uh huh. And I, because gra- our grandma used to be a librarian and a school teacher.
1: So she had
0: all the books. Oh, she, it's unbelievable. And I'd seen this one and I was like, oh, I've heard so much about it. And I wasn't very, I was like 10, 12, whatever, about Huck's age. Mm-hmm. And I take it into the room I was staying in, our Uncle Jake's room, which has like a stuffed bear in the corner and there's snakeskins up on the walls. And I started reading it before I went to bed and got to the part where they're forming the gang. And they talk about they're going to have to kill people and, like, carve the symbol into their chest and uh-huh. stuff. And it was it was too much. It was all too real. I had to quit. I'm not ready for this. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, years later, I read it. But, for
1: sure.
0: But I've loved it every time I've read it. This was your first time. Where did you come down on that?
1: I loved it right up until tom yeah i had thought that i had started this book before but it i had not none of this was familiar to me it must have been another mark twain book and i just couldn't get into it so i didn't think i would get into it but you gave or borrowed it lent it to me after (laughs) i (laughs) i'm slipping into huck's dialect yeah (laughs) after i mentioned that i hadn't read it and yeah so but i read it really fast because it was good oh cool
0: yeah and i think that's probably the most common reaction is really good until tom sawyer (laughs) comes back into it and then you just hate tom yeah which makes me wonder because this was written after the adventures of tom sawyer which i've never read he must be different in that book
1: i guess because
0: that book was huge yeah and in this book you just want to smack him
1: yeah he's tom's a twit Part... Spoil <laughs> Spoiled it. Spoiled it. Oh my goodness. The part you were mentioning with the gang and carving of the symbols into the chest, that was the first, because I haven't read Tom Sawyer either, so that was my first introduction to him, and at that point, I was like, oh, this kid is well-read, pretty fanciful, like whatever. Yeah. Not whatever. When he comes <laughs> back into the story. Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you realize Tom and Huck, like Huck kind of worships Tom, and he thinks they're, like... Well, he worships Tom, but he has a similar view of himself and Tom, like... But the more you read it, you're like, Tom has come from a different family.
1: Oh, yeah. This
0: kid's spoiled. No one ever tells him no.
1: Evidently not.
0: So, uh, let's dive into the plot here a little bit. So, the basic premise that launches the story, Huck is staying with the widow. This is after the adventures of Tom Sawyer, where they... Uh, found a treasure at the end. He and Tom, and so the judge is hanging on to their money. He's invested it. It's collecting interest every day, dollar interest every day. And Huck, they're trying to civilize Huck, and it's just—he's not loving it. No, nah, not a fan um, at all.
1: He doesn't like having to wear clothes.
0: <laughs> yeah, he really doesn't. <laughs> oh boy, which yeah, different from uh, modern day. <laughs> yeah, Chowder. So uh, his dad comes back, his dad's the town drunk, really just wants Huck's money. He's mm-hmm. terrible. And eventually kidn- kidnaps Huck. Uh, this is one of my favorite parts of the book. Huck fakes his own death. And so Huck is like 12 years old. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Kill- it never tells you exactly how old he is, but no. I would say that's far right.
0: Right. So he kills a pig, puts the blood all over the cabin, smashes the door with an axe makes it look like he was murdered, runs off, and as he does, uh, he goes to an island, and on the island is the slave, Jim, who we met earlier in the story, um, who's running away because he overheard Miss... I can't remember her name, yeah.
1: but it's the wife, or it's not the wife, the sister of the widow who was raising Huck.
0: Exactly, and she was going to sell him uh, to a slave trader in New Orleans, which would separate him from his family. He's got a wife and kids. And so he's running away. And his plan is to go to Cairo, Ohio. They're going to turn up the Ohio River uh, where he can go uh, be a free man. And basically, he's just going to make enough money to buy his family out of slavery. is right. his plan. And Huck's happy. It gets him away from Missouri. and
1: Right. And Except all. Huck feels really guilty. Yeah. Helping Jim escape, especially because Jim mentions that if he can't buy his kids back, they'll steal him back. So now he's aiding and abetting.
0: <laughs> yeah. And this is this is like the crux, crux of the story that makes it both like a really great book. Like in contention for the great American novel. And kind of at the center of why this book gets banned more right. than like any other book uh, in American history. Or it's up there. Uh, and it has been... A point of controversy since it came out so floating down the river uh so one of my haphazard research okay. not verified research so it took mark twain seven years to write the novel really yeah and when he started he gets it down to where the ohio and the mississippi meet and he puts the book down because he doesn't know what to do and basically the question is do you send them up the ohio and where does the story really go from there? Like right. Jim just hops off and what Huck's going to have a series of misadventures in civilized Ohio right. or whatever. Or do you send them further down the Mississippi where you have these crazy characters, a lot of satires based on things that were going on in the world at the time or had gone on recently. And further into, again, pre-Civil War South, so you've got unbelievable racism and all these different things and yeah it takes him years before he finally decides and the story is he took a trip up the mississippi from new orleans to minnesota okay. and that was after that he decided he knew what he needed to do
1: to finish the book
0: yeah so that's like the first 15 chapters is them getting to that right uh, that point and then the 16th chapter i think is where he picked it up again we get to meet some colorful characters from that point on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Some dirty, rotten...
0: Some dirty, rotten scoundrels. The Duke and the Dauphin. Um, what do you think, Carly? Duke and the Dauphin.
1: Oh, and mine it called him the Earl. The King and the Earl.
0: Oh, the King and the Earl.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Interesting.
0: It is. I've always read Duke and the Dauphin.
1: Oh. The
0: King and the Earl. Well, isn't it the Dauphin? Because he's supposedly Louis XVI's...
1: Oh, yeah. ...lost... Okay.
0: Son or,
1: right, or and maybe or, it is the duke. Okay, you're right. You're right.
0: Just what you think of. Them. So they're con men.
1: Yeah, they're con men. They end up on the raft with Huck and Jim, and and, and Huck's clever enough too. to
0: figure out that they're con men. Right. Pretty quickly, Jim's not.
1: Right. Jim's not. Oh, they're just terrible human beings, and and the whole time you're like, "Come on, Huck, just leave them," because they. They'll stop along the river and go pull their con somewhere, and you just want Huck and Jim to, like, get back in the raft and leave. Mm -hmm. But then you remember that he's just a little kid. I mean, not a little, little kid, but... And he's used to his dad, who is a terrible human being as well, and an alcoholic, and he mentions over and over again, he's learned from his dad that the best way to deal with this kind of person is just to go along with Mm them. But... Oh, they're awful.
0: Absolutely terrible. Um yeah, they're kind of like the people you've met in life who just somehow find a way to just keep being in your life but I in guess. a very dark and
1: But yeah, it's very yeah. dark.
0: Well, and the and so the novel when you think of it, it's hilarious. Like there's so many funny parts and it's kind of not quite whimsical, but along those lines and mm-hmm. but then you read it again and you're like these guys are seriously bad and there's numerous times where you're like Huck's gonna die. Right. Like something terrible's gonna
1: happen. Right. Oh yeah, they're they're horrible.
0: Yeah. So among their many cons, <laughs> they've got a few. Right. Uh, their best best one, I guess, is uh, they do Shakespeare. The Royal nonsuch. Yeah, the Royal Nunsuch. So they come into town, claim they're gonna do some Shakespeare. Uh They're terrible at it. They get the lines wrong. They're supposed to do the soliloquy from Hamlet, but they've got lines from Macbeth in there and other parts of Hamlet. Like, they only know Oh, sure.
1: What you recognized, but I did not, and Huck did not.
0: Yeah. So they're cobbling it together, and they're just doing, like, scenes from random plays. Right. And so the first night, not many people show up, and it goes terribly. So the second night, they say it's for adults only. No, No women, even. No women, yeah. No women, no children. It's going to be raunchy. And so much of it is Mark Twain, like, also just, like, pointing out hilarious stuff about society where you can do that and now you're going to sell it out. Like, right. just tell people how immoral it is and all of a sudden they'll pay for it. Right. So the first crowd shows up and it's hilarious, but it doesn't last very long. So they're all mad.
1: Right. Well, it's kind of, it's weird.
0: It's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's weird and...
1: In short, yeah. In short, so they're, yeah. but they, yeah. They don't want to tell anybody that they got conned, so they bring the whole town back the next night.
0: Yeah. The, so they're, they're in the audience. Their idea of like getting back at them or not feeling bad about getting ripped off is let's get everyone else to come, so we've all been ripped off. Right. So for two nights they sell it out and make a bunch of money. The third night they're gonna sell out again, but everyone's just bringing like vegetables to throw at them and. That kind of stuff,
1: yeah, and eggs
0: and eggs. So they take the money and leave, um, and so it's funny because they're terrible, but everyone's terrible. Like right. the people in town are terrible. The men are terrible. Huck means well, but he's kind of terrible because he's learned it. And yeah. Jim, like, is innocent, but just not quite smart enough to.
1: Right, do he it. does. He's doing yeah, he doesn't understand how French would be different from. English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is one
0: of the big criticisms of the novel. Is so he's unbelievably superstitious and basically every black person in this book is. Right. And uh he's obviously uneducated. Um, I believe he's illiterate. And mm-hmm. and so he, like yeah. He see if you it's easy to look at it and be like, Wow, Twain is like super racist, but at the same time he's writing the story based on a kid he knew, Tom Blankenship, growing up, oh. and the town is based on the town he grew up in, and it's like, this is how it was.
1: Right. That and even though it present, even though Jim is illiterate and a lot of stuff, you're like, come on, Jim. But <laughs> even with all of that, Twain is clearly presenting him as a human being. Who should not be enslaved and right. who loves his family, which kind of shocks Huck. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so my haphazard research on the um, book banning said that basically the people argue that that's what you should take from it, but the other people argue he uses the N word like
0: 200 uh, times, I think. Yeah, know.
1: something crazy.
0: Yeah, I, sometimes I don't understand that argument. Like, are you saying if someone reads this, they'll walk away thinking, I need to use the N-word? Because right. no one does it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. Uh, and the book is really about Huck. As they move down the Mississippi, he's finally away from society like he's always wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And it's him unlearning a lot of things he's been taught. Right. And him coming to the realization that one of my favorite quotes is when he says that Jim is white inside, which is the moment where he realizes me and Jim are really the same. Right. And that's really the great lesson of the book. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on that you're like, this is terrible, but it's also the pre Civil War South, so it's going to be terrible.
1: Right. And and if you were a kid with a no mom and no good dad, and you were kind of let loose sometimes.
0: Yeah. In The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, when it introduces Huck Finn, it talks about how he slept outside. If it was wet, he'd sleep in barrels. He was the first kid to go barefoot in the spring and the last kid to wear shoes in the fall. And he just lives his own life. Yeah. Uh, Which allows him to make some pretty hilarious observations, too. Uh, when he talk, and, and very honest and true observations about how mean people are to each other and how strange people are and the things they do. Stuff that Mark Twain, obviously, was thinking. And right. And all that. So they continue down Mississippi. Mississippi. Uh, eventually, we get to meet the Shepherdsons and the Grangerfords, who are the...
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Basically, the Hatfields and McCoys.
1: Right. That was one of the, as far as, like, didn't buy it.
0: Oh, you didn't... Okay, so, interesting. Like, the whole thing, or what didn't you buy about that?
1: Well, so Huck, I can't remember if, I think it was after the raft capsized. He ends up on the bank. He and Jim
0: get separated.
1: Right, he and Jim get separated. So, Huck's walking. Well, first of all, I realized later, later it mentions that Huck and Jim have been naked on the raft this whole time, which... (laughs) beaches, sunburns, snakes, I don't The
0: Mississippi is not the cleanest river. No,
1: no. Anyway, so first of all, I'm pretty sure he showed up there naked, but that, Dwayne, so maybe that was just a new consistency. I'm pretty sure that people would have had some (laughs) questions, but anyway, their family was so not that the whole novel is believable, but I was kind of with him up to that point. But that whole family was so out there. I yeah. found that difficult to
0: believe. Yeah, there's a lot going on. So they've got the one sister who's passed away <laughs> who used to... And this was another thing where he was uh, satirizing. I guess there was a a girl in Michigan who actually made a name for herself doing this where she'd write poems to like memorialize dead people. And they were all terrible, but she became, like, kind of famous for doing this. Okay. And so that's what the girl in this family has been doing. The poems are just awful. And she does these drawings that none of it's, like, her intention wasn't to be funny, but they're hilarious.
1: Right. Alas, never shall I see thee again.
0: Yeah. And so that's going on. They're in a bitter feud with the Shepherdsons. And obviously they have a boy named Buck who's very similar to Huck. Right. And... Yeah, they're, they are an interesting lot. No one questions the dad. Yeah, he they're just like... Runs everything.
1: Sounds like they're very wealthy.
0: They all go to the same church, the Grangerfords and the Shepherdsons. Right. And they sit there <laughs> with their guns between their legs, like they're holding their rifles between their legs, as the preacher talks about brotherly love and stuff. And right. Then they go shoot each other. Right. So he's with them for a couple of days. He kind of falls in love with the one sister, who of course is in love with a boy from the Other family. Right. And he ends up seeing Buck get shot and killed, which again, like...
1: That's pretty intense.
0: Yeah, the whole story, the whole thing is hilarious. And then this little boy just gets shot and killed. And then Huck's like, I'm out. I'm leaving.
1: Well, because the the dad and the brothers had already been killed that day. So, yeah, it was like, the whole family's gone now. Mm -hmm. Except the mom and maybe one sister. Yeah, so that was upsetting. Exactly. (laughs) It was so funny. Because they were, like, overblown... (laughs) Just ridiculous, and then all of a sudden it's.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably why this is Mark Twain's like signature novel too. Is it's him at his comedic best at points. Like there are some parts of this book that are so hilarious. Yeah. And but at the same time, it's him really the I think the only time in his career where he has serious literary stuff to say, and that's why the novel is what it is.
1: Interesting.
0: So, they escape. Uh, it turns out Jim uh, was found by the slaves that the family owned.
1: Right. So, Jim's been there all along.
0: Yeah. And I think they fixed the raft. Yeah. And so, he and Jim just take off again. and um, They end up getting rid of the Duke and Dauphin when uh, they stop in a town toward the end. And they go to run their con. And they sold Jim.
1: Yeah. They're just terrible human beings. And just real quick. Before that, you think he's losing the Duke and Dauphin in another town where they, uh, let's see, they're going to the bank. They run across a local guy who who mistakes them for (laughs) these two guys, and then they're like, oh no, we're not them, but why do you ask? And he tells them the whole story. So a, a guy in town who was pretty well off just died and wrote to his brothers on his deathbed to come collect inherit his fortune, or I don't know if it's a fortune, but it was quite a bit of money. So so they get all the details from this guy, get to the town, and start pretending to be these two brothers, who are English. Mm-hmm. So they're faking an English accent, and they're, but terrible they're yeah, they're terrible.
0: Well, the, yeah, the one brother, and then the other brother's mute, Right. so they're also faking sign language.
1: Right. It was just, and they, so they, like, hustle these three daughters out of their inheritance, but Huck has some good moments and mm-hmm. tells the truth to the sister, but then you think Huck's going to maybe get lynched anyway because the people in town finally figure out that they're a yep. couple of crooks and think that he's in on it with them. Because
0: the two real brothers show up. Right. But no one can really prove who's the real brother who's not until the real brother, one of them says he, saw, he knows his, the brother that died, has a tattoo on his chest. Right. And he describes it. So then the con men are like, oh, yeah, he has a tattoo. That's not it. And then the undertaker goes, there's no tattoo. So they're going to kill all four of them. Right. But then someone decided, okay, well, let's just dig them up. And Huck oh, had the stolen the inheritance money or hid it in the coffin.
1: Intending to get down the river and then write the girls and tell them where it was.
0: Right. So this was one of his shining moments.
1: Yeah, it really was.
0: And as they dig up the the coffin they find the money there's a panic or like confusion and huck escapes mm-hmm. and you think they're going to get away but as soon as they get in the boat or on the raft here come the duke and the dolphin in a boat and they yeah. come up and you think they're going to kill huck for a second but
1: yeah because they they're so mad at him for leaving him there oh they're just terrible okay yeah. so then
0: so then they get to that last town they sell jim uh
1: without telling
0: without telling huck or anyone right yeah Huck finds out where he is, goes to save him, turns out the lady who bought Jim is Tom Sawyer's aunt.
1: Right, and the way that they sold him was previously Huck and Jim were just traveling at night. They meet the Duke and the Dauphin, and the reason they were traveling at night was that nobody would see Jim. Because if they saw Jim, they would assume he was a runaway slave. So the duke and the dauphin go to a printing office and print up something that says that he is a runaway slave, $200 reward so that they can travel during the day and claim that they're
0: returning, returning him. him. Yeah.
1: So they sell him to Tom's aunt and uncle for $40 so that they just come the duke and dauphin walk away with $40 and the intention of the aunt and uncle is to get the 200. So they're like keeping him.
0: Mm-hmm. They're terrible. But then Huck, like a couple days later, finds out he's faking to be Tom because Tom was supposed to come visit, apparently. Right. And at first, of all, he's like, oh, my nephew Tom. And so yeah, he just and he goes along. Him,
1: yeah, so he goes along with
0: it. And then he realizes it's Tom Sawyer. So he's going to the town because Tom's supposed to be coming to catch him before he gets there and whatever. And somewhere in all that, he sees the Duke and the Dolphin running out of town. They've been tarred oh, and that's feathered. Right. Yeah. And as a reader, you're like, Yes. Finally. Right. But Huck like feels bad for him. He's yeah. like, man, people can be really mean.
1: Right. Yeah, he feels bad for him. And all through the rest of the book, I'm like, when are they going to show up?
0: <laughs> uh huh. And, and
1: Tom, of course, thinks that the whole mistaken identity, identity thing is fantastic and pretends to be
0: his half brother, Sid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so before we get to the last quarter of the novel, okay. which most people agree, you could chop it off. And yeah. the novel would be even better. Way better. Um, Just one point about Huck. So when I teach this novel to my kids, because Huck can be infuriating because he's 12 years old. And he's been taught that black people are inferior. Um, and there's, you know, early on the story, Jim's explaining to him how he's he really misses his family. He tells him a story about his daughter who oh, yeah. wasn't listening to him once. And he kind of started to beat her and he didn't realize she was deaf because she'd had scarlet, scarlet fever, fever yeah. and had lost her hearing and mm-hmm. how
1: because she was just little yeah
0: she was a little little girl and how terrible he felt about all of it and Huck thought that was weird it was like he thought it was unnatural for Jim to feel that way about his family right and then you go so you go from that all the way to the end where Huck realizes he and Jim are really the same and he needs to help Jim be free Right. So the way I explain it to my students is, okay, in between these two points, Huck has multiple failures in moral judgment. Right. And times where he lies, times where he's mean, he plays pranks on Jim that he shouldn't. Right. Um, because he knows Jim trusts him and will believe him. So he's just being mean. Yeah. And so the analogy I use is like a stock on the stock market where there's little episodes, like a string of chapters where Huck does something great and it does something terrible and it'll do something good and then something bad. It's just up and down, up and down. And you're like, what are you doing? But then when you zoom out, just like a healthy stock, it just increases over time. Yeah. yeah. You see that, and you see kind of his journey to get there. So it, the culmination of the book really is when he finds out where Jim is, he sits down to write the letter to Miss Watson, I think was the owner. Yeah. Telling uh, where Jim is, and to come get him. But he's torn because he thinks that's what he should do, but also, or that's what he's been taught he should do. Right. But now that he knows Jim, he's like, I, should I need to help him be free? And then the, probably the most famous line of the book, when he says, all right, then I'll go to hell. And right. And he tears up the letter and decides he's going to help Jim escape.
1: Yeah, he decides, or earlier, one way he put it was, because he had a chance in one of those towns to turn Jim in. And he didn't do it, and then he felt so guilty, but then he decides he would have felt equally bad if he had done it, mm-hmm. so he's like, doesn't matter, right or wrong, feel crummy, I'm just going to do what suits me in the moment. Yep. And you're like, well, that's not <laughs> the best lesson, but okay.
0: But you can get where he's coming from, right. yeah. Yeah. What's the point of this if you feel terrible and they both pay the same? And
1: Right. I'm
0: just going to do what's right in the moment, yeah. Classic. Okay, so that's in Ernest Hemingway, I think, because he says, he has a famous quote about this is, there's no American novel before, and there's never been as good a one since. Right. And his thing is, everyone's trying to write this book ever since it came out. Uh, But even he said, when he tears that letter up, that should have been the end. Right. (laughs) So then Tom comes, and this is where Tom is terrible.
1: And at first you're like, oh, Tom's here. He seems kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, that lasts for a page
1: yeah
0: Yeah. so they, Huck tells them what's going on he's broke Jim out and Tom convinces and Huck's plan is pretty practical let's steal the key because they got him in a shed yeah we'll set him free and we'll go to wherever they were going to go um, and then Tom was like no 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 that's not how it is in the books
1: yeah Tom's like that's way too easy
0: way too easy way too practical and yeah, so he comes up with these elaborate schemes where they've got Jim, like, writing his manifesto in blood. Oh, my goodness. So and bef- they can't just lift the chain off the bed. They need to saw it off because that's how it is in the books.
1: Right. Saw it yeah. off and eat the sawdust of the metal. Like,
0: And it'd be better if they could saw Jim's leg off, but that's going to take too long. <laughs> so, okay. Right.
1: Before you realize how terrible Tom is going to be. Yeah. My favorite quote was probably Huck is saying he hasn't told us what the plan is, but Tom's coming up with the plans, and Huck is saying talking about that. He told me what it was, and I see in a minute it was worth fifteen of mine for style, and would make Jim just as free a man as mine would, and maybe get us all killed besides. And it's funny, and you laugh, and then you start hearing what Tom's actual plans are, and you're like
0: Yeah. This kid. They make they make Jim live with snakes and rats for a and while
1: spiders. and
0: spiders they load up the cabin with that at one point because the shed's all wood that's not good enough for tom he should be chiseling things into stone right so they break jim out <laughs> to get a millstone to put in the thing put in the shed so he can chisel into it and time and at that point huck makes a comment about how tom really has a gift for
1: yes for supervision super, or superintending
0: superintending because yes. he doesn't do any of the work right and you're just like, what on earth? Because this great, great book is like the story's getting ruined.
1: Right. And yeah. part of you is like, come on, Jim. Like yeah. they've already dug you out. Just leave but I don't think he wants to leave Huck behind.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: And he believes them because Yeah, they both just go along with whatever Tom says. Tom's yeah. like, No, no, this is you don't want to do it wrong. Yeah. This is the way it's done.
0: Yeah. And then there's he draws him
1: a family crest and... <laughs> And and they're making Jim uh, write a diary in blood, so every time the rats bite him, he uses the blood to write on. And then they're stealing everything from this sweet aunt and uncle, other than they have slaves and they're... That was complicated, too. Like, they're... for the time and the situation, they're treating Jim pretty well. Mm -hmm. They're feeding him good, they have a bed... Like, not that any of that's okay, and the and he's a preacher, mm-hmm. um. But, yeah. So, but they're in Arkansas, I think.
0: Something like that. Yeah, yeah,
1: they're somewhere pretty far down south. But anyway, Tom and Huck are stealing bed sheets and shirts and spoons Force and, and spoons, candlesticks, yeah. and just the poor aunt is going batty because she knows how much of it all these things they're supposed to have.
0: And then they start writing letters that they're going to, from these desperados, are going to kidnap Jim. And and so what ends up happening is all these farmers come over. Because it's just, again, Twain makes it look like every person in the South is dumb. Like, just stupid. And that was my didn't buy it. Like, the people in here are so unbelievably obtuse. But anyway.
1: Yeah, so Tom and Huck have been writing anonymous letters warning (laughs) me and uncle what's going to
0: happen. So all the farmers show up. And so that's when they break Jim out. And then Tom ends up getting shot in the leg. Catches a bullet in the leg. And he's yeah. so proud of it. Yeah. So excited. Uh, Jim stays with Tom on the island. Huck gets a doctor. The doctor comes. Convinces him Jim's a good guy. He saved Tom. And then when they're saying they want to kill Jim. Then Tom tells us that Miss Watson died two months ago. <laughs> in her will, Jim has been set free. And then you find out early, uh, like the one of the first nights... Jim and Huck were on a raft. There's a boat came floating by on the river, or not a boat, sorry, a house. Yeah. Came floating by on the river. They'd gone on and, and taken some stuff. And there's a dead body in there that Jim wouldn't let Huck see. And Jim tells Huck that was his dad. Right. His dad had gotten drunk and died. And, and so you find out everything they've been running from Huck running from his dad and that whole life, and Jim running because he thinks if he goes back, he'll be sold. None of it's real. Right. Yeah.
1: And Tom Sawyer, that little snot rag, (laughs) has been making Jim do live with snakes and spiders and rats and cut himself and write things and eat sawdust. Like, it was bad enough when you knew he wasn't letting Jim escape. But now that you find out that he knew Jim was free the whole time and didn't Hmm. tell anybody because he wanted an adventure, Hmm. like, that kid needed... A spanking,
0: and he doesn't ever get anything.
1: No, yeah. no. The ends no. are just thrilled that he's okay because he recovered from the bullet wound, and oh, and then
0: he, he wears the bullet like a trophy. Yeah. and he puts it on a necklace, and that's his thing. Yeah, pretty, pretty bizarre ending. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah, it was
0: the only nice thing is Jim gets to go back to his family, right? And yeah, and then uh, Huck decides. Um, The ant wants to adopt him and civilize him, and he's like, I'm no way, I'm not doing that again. So he's gonna lie down for the territory. Tom thinks they should both go to the Indian Territory, Oklahoma, right? And you're like, Tom, no, No.
1: (laughs) please don't. Oh,
0: but yeah, so it's kind of strange. Come so far, Tom kind of ruins it all. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, there's, yeah, there's some theories about why. Mark Twain did it. My theory was always that he knew he was writing a serious book,
1: uh-huh. but he
0: really didn't know how to end it. Oh, shit. And sure. so at the end, he just reverted back to what he was good at, which was being funny. Right. And the rest of it was so good, it didn't matter.
1: And I did laugh hysterically when, so all those farmers had been in the house of the aunt and uncle waiting for the Indians to come bust Jim out. And the next day, the farm, Huck overhears the farmer's wife saying, that Jim must have been crazy because there was all sorts of stuff scratched in the walls and blood and like. <laughs> yeah. It was all Tom. But other than that, I didn't hardly laugh the last quarter of the book. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. The first year I taught this with juniors, I remember I had a couple kids who were really into it, like just loved it. And then we read the last quarter or so of it kind of pretty quickly. Yeah. And they are like, that was terrible. I hate Tom Sawyer. Why was that in the book? Right. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's what it was. yeah, it did
1: not make me want to read Adventures of Tom Sawyer.
0: Yeah. That's fair. It's fair, it's fair criticism, you know? No one's perfect, including Mark Twain. I guess. Okay. Best quotes. Uh, there's the opening inscription. I guess you'd call it an inscription. Notice. Person's attempting to find a motive in this narrative will be prosecuted. Persons attempting to find a moral in it will be banished. Persons attempting to find a plot in it will be shot by order of the author, per G.G. chief of ordinance. Yeah. Yeah. Classic Mark Twain.
1: So we're probably in a lot of trouble now.
0: Yeah. Darn it. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna get shot. Just like Tom. Uh, So that was one of my favorite ones. All right, then I'll go to hell. Mm -hmm. And then the one about Jim is white inside. right. Uh, you also had the, his plan was worth 15 of a for style and might get everyone killed.
1: Right, which seemed funny in the moment <laughs> till you found out that the plan was actually terrible and could get everyone killed.
0: And completely unnecessary.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah Huck keeps trying to warn Tom that they need to hurry up and leave because now there's a whole bunch of armed farmers and Tom's like, oh, this is fantastic.
0: <laughs> yeah. Most vivid image. Well, then floating down the Mississippi on the raft is easily the most famous, and right. that's what gets referenced in songs all the time. And,
1: right. And whatever. That one was pretty vivid. I had a hard time, though, partly due to my lack of steamboating and rafting knowledge, and partly due to my, like, they keep talking, he goes gives a lot of details, so if you were from that area, I think you could picture it even better, but yeah. I would get confused about which side of the river they were on and what he was talking about.
0: Yeah, and that's fair. Um, yeah, well, Mark Twain, that's what he wanted to be growing up as a steamboat captain. Right. And then his real name, Samuel on Clemens, pen name Mark Twain, because that's how you would mark the depth of the riffer to make sure your steamboat could pass. Right. Mark Twain meant, like, six feet, and that was deep enough. Right. Mark one, Mark Twain, Mark... Is it just three? I don't know why two was I twain. don't
1: know. I've only heard the Mark Twain was, like, good enough.
0: Yeah. Uh, interesting. So, on the raft, uh, the tarred and feathered Duke oh, and yeah. Dolphin running out. I always think of that. And then him faking his own death. And that, ca- for whatever reason, right. I can always see the cabin very clearly and him sneaking out and getting to the canoe. He
1: does a pretty good job. It was easy to picture the cabin. He does a pretty good job of telling you what's in there, what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, and, I would probably agree.
0: And Pat is kind of scaring you to death. Yeah. He has that night where he's drunk and he thinks, um hucks the angel of death or something and he's like trying to strangle him
1: that was yeah this is a pretty heavy book
0: heavy and hilarious (laughs) and then heavy again and yeah
1: yeah
0: for sure okay i didn't buy it i just that no one can figure out Uh, Huck just lies i think two times at least once he pretends to be a girl i think it might happen twice oh yeah um, he gets caught, but he'll always lie his way out of getting caught, too. Mm-hmm. Like he's a very good liar. Yes. Um,
1: I forgot about him dressed up as a girl.
0: Yeah. And Yeah, and then the test, the lady gave him a piece of lead to hit a rat with, and he almost and he killed he smoked it. it. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, yeah, you're not a girl.
1: <laughs> yeah. So then the lady gives him pointers when he leaves on if he needs to continue pretending to be a girl. <laughs> That was pretty was, good. I forgot about good. that part.
0: Yeah, that was pretty. That's another good image. Uh, get a beer with. Character you most likely to get a beer with. This one's tough because there, there aren't many. and A lot of them are terrible. <laughs>
1: right. A lot of them are terrible. The main characters are too young to get a beer with anyway. <laughs> I said maybe Aunt Sally, who is the aunt in Arkansas. Just because I... They were a little bit confusing. And part of it is just the time. But like... How can they be so good to Tom and Huck and still be? Mm
0: -hmm. And that's one of the things I kind of like about the book is, because I think that's just true to real life. Yeah, it totally is. Yeah, people are very contradictory. Um, And we'll say one thing and do another, but even we'll just do different things given the situation and the context. Um, I wouldn't mind being in a bar where the Duke and Dauphin were running the game, and I could watch it from across oh, the bar. Oh,
1: seriously! I want to be like on another continent from those two <laughs> yahoos. That's fair. One more quote that made me so angry was after Huck realizes that they have sold Jim, and he is talking to the Duke, and he's like, "Oh yeah, we." The Duke says, "We'd started to think of him as ours because we'd taken so much trouble for him," and you're like. He has been serving you hand and foot, helping you survive down the river. He does not belong to any of you, but especially not you. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. It's frustrating. Uh, character to get featured in their own novel. Uh, well, Tom already has one, so if you would like to read more Tom, <laughs> The Adventures <laughs> of Tom Sawyer, there no for you. No
1: thanks. Uh-oh. Oh, oh anyway. yeah, go ahead. I said Huck Finn, but Tom is not allowed to appear in. <laughs> <yet.
0: laughs> that would be a good one. That's yeah. fair. Uh, Jim's sequel, I'm kind of interested, interested to see what happens to Jim after and his family. Right. Um.
1: It bothered me a little bit that it didn't sound like, like, Tom and Huck wanted to light out for Indian territory, and nobody, it didn't sound for sure like Jim was even going to be able to go back. Oh, yeah. But, I guess you just assume he did.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, okay. Haphazard research. So it took him seven years to write the novel, like I was talking about before. Um, So there, and you can find it somewhere. It's called The Raft Episode. And Mark Twain wanted to put in chapter 16 after the second paragraph. And I know I've read it. Okay. I think we read it in college. And that's one of the most vivid images that comes to my mind when I think of this book. I still remember that scene. But there's a scene where, um, so it gets really foggy. And Huck and Jim kind of get lost on the river. And that's why they miss Cairo and end up going oh, to the south.
1: okay. Because that was another confusing part in mm-hmm. the book. You were always like, wait, did they actually miss Cairo? Mm-hmm. And then eventually they're in Arkansas. So, you know, they did. But. Right.
0: Yeah, because there's no point where they're sure. And Cairo is supposed to be kind of small.
1: Right. And Huck's
0: like, if we pop, pass it in the night and there's no lights on. And there's no real definite point where you're like, okay, they, right. that was where it was and they missed it. But there's a scene where they hatch a plan where Huck's going to go to the shore and they're finding out if they missed it because he's going to tell someone that his dad's coming and they're traitors, but they're new at it. So they're trying to find Cairo. Right. And get and that
1: part was in the book. That and that
0: part was in the book. But the part that got cut is there's a scene where Huck's swimming to the shore and there's a raft that goes by. And I think he gets mentioned right at the beginning of that chapter. Long raft with like five wigwams. Mm-hmm. Or four. Four or five. And what ends up happening in this in the raft episode, which he Mark Twain was going to put in Life on the Mississippi, uh, but he pulled it from that book. And they thought it fit really well with Huckleberry Finn. So there's some versions of the book that happens. Okay. But the original version did not. So Huck swims up and grabs the edge of the raft. And there's 13 guys there. And they're all telling a story about this guy, Dick Albright, who... I don't remember the details of the story, but he ends up murdering a baby named Charles Albright, and then the baby—it's like a—it's a ghost story, like a curse story. It gets put oh, in a barrel, okay. and the barrel follows them around. And they're telling the story because there's a barrel in the water that wasn't moving with the current; it was oh. just sitting there. And and I remember it because it's like the story gets a lot darker. Like it's the change where it goes from Huck and Jim, okay, having fun. fun having fun, floating down the Mississippi. There's important things to worry about, but they're just not worried at that point.
1: Right. They have a plan. They're going to get to Cairo. And
0: and it's, yeah, and it's the change that, okay, this is going to get a lot more serious and a lot more deadly, and they're going to have real problems, because they tell this ghost story, and then Huck climbs up on the back of the raft, and they ask him who he is, and he says he's Charles Albright, the baby, and... I remember, they let him stay on for a little bit and then he gets off and sure. whatever. Oh. But it's like a really interesting little snippet.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but end up, the publisher cut it uh, on the first print of the novel. and.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah, but I always think of that. Other research.
1: My only haphazard research is that this was published first in the UK and then a couple of months later. In the U.S., which I just thought was interesting. And I don't yeah. remember enough about Mark Twain to know why that would have
0: been. There were, yeah, he had some, so he, not just an author, he really thought of himself as a great businessman, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny because he died with, like, no money. Yeah. And he wrote a lot of weird stuff. Like, there's sequels to these stories. Um, one is Tom, well, they're both Tom Sawyer, Tom Sawyer Abroad. Uh, okay. So Tom Huck and Jim take a futuristic hot air balloon to Africa oh, wow. and have adventures there.
1: Not, I'm not reading not it. Not interested in reading that. Nope.
0: Tom Sawyer Detective, which is like supposed to be a funny, like a satire of detective novels. Sure. Um, and in this one, in Huck Finn, he satirizes like Victorian romanticism, and a lot of that's through Tom because he reads these stories and yeah, has these grand, Ugh. whatever delusions of grandeur. Um, anyway, so his publisher, Mark Twain's publisher, weren't getting along, so he left and the next year the publisher was like bankrupt anyway. So he left and went somewhere else and he wanted to package Huckleberry Finn with, I think it was Tom Sawyer and it was one of his other books, The Prince and the Pauper or Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court or whatever. There were three books he wanted to package. Selling like that over Christmas, oh. but the previous publisher still had the rights to the other two books, so there's just no way it was going to happen, sure. And then it got held up, uh, in different things for different reasons. And then I think actually published a couple of chunks of it in magazines before they finally got the novel out,
1: sure. Um, interesting,
0: yeah. And then pretty quickly, uh, got banned. He, he wrote a famous letter. The first library that banned it was in Connecticut, I believe.
1: So it was banned during his lifetime oh yeah even that is surprising to me
0: yeah well so the i, I think it was in connecticut there's a library that banned it and they said it was because huck is they don't like the language this was one of the arguments for this being the great american novel and not just a great novel uh-huh. is that it's written in an american dialect uh which he took like worked really hard to do and do yeah, it well he took
1: great pains yeah so yeah. the whole time you're reading this book nothing is spelled right because it's the way that a young boy growing up
0: who hated school
1: yeah in mississippi or not mississippi but missouri but on the river how, how he would have said it phonetically
0: yeah and how jim speaks phonetically. <laughs> right and there are multiple yeah, m- yeah, multiple points note- where you can't understand what jim's right
1: saying. there was right. a note on that in the beginning of the book too like this is in three different dialects just so you yeah. don't think i messed it up or something
0: yeah Uh, There's a number of dialects used to wit, the Missouri Negro dialect, the extremist form of the backwoods, southwestern dialect, the original Pike County dialect, and four modified varieties of this last. The shades have not been done in a haphazard fashion or by guesswork, but painstakingly, and with the trustworthy guidance and support of personal familiarity with these several forms of speech. I make this explanation for the reason that without it, many readers would suppose that all these characters are trying to talk alike and not succeeding. Uh, but yeah, so he, he writes it like that. So the library didn't like it.
1: Sure. Cause Huck,
0: <laughs> and they don't like Huck because he lies and right. he's kind of a scheming little kid. Kind of what you said about Hank the cow dog.
1: Yeah. I, there's some, several similarities. They both show up in mm-hmm. a dress at one point.
0: <laughs> they, uh, yeah. And they both kind of feel bad. I, I I did think of that when Huck feels bad about everything they did to Tom's aunt. And all the tricks they oh, played, and he feels right. so bad about it. That's like Hank and Aunt Sally.
1: Right, and Tom doesn't feel bad at all.
0: No. Yeah. No, Tom never feels bad. So the library bans it and um, didn't like, and that's one of the interesting criticisms is people think it's It's super racist, but really the whole point of this book is that Right. regardless of how you're brought up, you can figure this out.
1: Right, and it's not something that I would read to a little kid,
0: mm-hmm. but, yeah,
1: but I don't need to ban it.
0: No. But so, that's, okay, go ahead. Okay, so Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain, writes this letter back to him, because I thought it's kind of the same thing of corrupt kids. Yeah. And he talks about how he totally agrees and how he had read a, a version of the Bible he was forced to read that hadn't been edited before he was 15, oh, and all the characters and that. and By all means, if there's one of those anywhere in your library next to my book, get rid of that Bible and <laughs> all that my. stuff.
1: That was an interesting thing. At the beginning of the book, the widow who's trying to civilize Huck is teaching him about Moses and the Bull Rushers and King Solomon. And um, Huck says, King Solomon cannot have been the wisest man that ever lived because who would want to live with that many wives and children?
0: Yeah, and then when he finds out Moses is dead, he's like, well, what's the point of this? <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is funny, though, because also later on he tries explaining to Jim when Solomon, you know, the famous two women claim the baby's theirs. Yeah. And he's like, well, well, cut it in half. And he's trying to explain to Jim why it was a really wise thing to say. Jim's right. just like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever right. heard. Right. Yeah. So, a little more duality and uh, right. conflict. But, yeah, Huck... Um, Hug gets banned quite a bit. Uh, there was a, in Arizona, and this was recently, this was since 2000, a mom sued the district for having it on the required reading because it would um, further, um, however, how she said it, it would make race relations worse in the schools, what she thought. Um, which is just so interesting to me, Is I think a lot of people who say that kind of stuff probably haven't read it. Right. Um, cause I just, I've never met anyone who read it and then walked away thinking like.
1: Right. Well, going back a little bit to the Bible thing and the, um, banning and what's appropriate and what's not like something that Bruce has mentioned that he thinks about is like when people say, well, there's polygamy in the Bible and all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, but did you read how it went? Yeah. Like
0: every single time.
1: Right. So it just takes more you have to think about it mm-hmm. but i agree with you i don't i did not read this book and feel inspired to start talking like
0: <laughs> like Huck. or anyone else right in the button in the novel yeah and that's always an interesting criticism people have like these terrible things are going on it's like well first of all you have to have some level of conflict right. in the story second That's why you're reading it
1: a lot of times. Like the more intense
0: the conflict is a lot of times the more interesting it is.
1: Right. And a high schooler is gonna be able or is learning to be able to read something like this and think about it and think that's why I wouldn't read it to a little kid, it's scary. Yeah. (laughs) And and he does lie and steal and calls it borrowing Mm -hmm. because that's what his dad does. There's a lot of layers of yeah. The dogs are really upset about it. Yeah, they are.
0: Uh, final thoughts. Would you recommend it?
1: I would recommend it not to a little kid.
0: Right.
1: I don't know that I would read it again. The last part with Tom was really upsetting. And reading back through everything he made Jim do, knowing that he was already free, I think would.
0: That's fair. I will definitely read it again, at least to the point where he trashes the letter, he rips it up. Right. Um, yeah, stuff with Tom is kind of dumb. Um, yeah, I let, so I used to teach it to the whole class, and this year I've gone more to different groups, um, and, and then the groups kind of pick from a menu, sure. and a lot of them picked this book, and they loved it. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it is, a, it's a great story, it's really good characters, you love them, you want them to win. Yeah. Um, the obstacles feel real. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's just a great novel, and you walk away from it, I think hopefully being better. And, and and people try to, there's also versions of the book you can get where the word, the N-word is replaced with the word slave. Um, sure. to kind of soften it a little bit. And I understand the merits of that. Right. Um, I, I think it, in a way, it does take away, because the, the reason the story is great is the lesson Huck learns and the journey he goes on. Yeah. And when you replace it, it lessens that a little bit. Right. I think it's, it was still be a great book. And people who want to read it that way, I don't really have a problem with it. Right. Um, but I think he used the language he used for a reason. And uh, I think it's important to at least acknowledge what right. that is and, and that it's something Huck has to overcome.
1: Right. And part of me thinks of what you were saying about, like, Aunt Sally and the uncle in Arkansas. Like, that's true. People are not perfect and they do all sorts of terrible things. And I think... I think if you want to read the book with slave instead of the N-word, that's fine. But I also think people need to remember that that's how it was. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think it's good to kind of whitewash that.
0: Sure. I think that's fair. I think, I guess, in my app as a researcher, there's also a version that replaces it with the word hipster. It's called the Hipster Huckleberry Finn. And uh, I don't know why... I guess it just makes it hilarious. I don't know.
1: That might be funny for a few pages, but this book is a little bit too serious and scary. I agree. Interesting. Yeah. Um,
0: But yeah, love it. This is one of my favorite books. I think it's great. Um, Classic American literature. I'd recommend it over Moby Dick, which I've never read. Oh,
1: absolutely. This book, even though, like it, Sometimes I did have to really stop and think about what on earth they were saying, the way that the mm-hmm. words were written, because between words that we just don't use anymore and trying to de um,
0: hillbilly it, de
1: hillbilly it, de accented. <laughs> but other than that, like I was like a hundred pages into this book in one afternoon before I even. Oh wow. Knew yeah. Yeah. So.
0: It does, And he, he keeps the chapters are short, and they yep. end where you want to read what happens next. Right. Uh, yeah, that was pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, if I wanted to put it down, I, I had to stop mid-chapter. Yep. Cool. Mm-hmm. All
0: right. Well, thanks for coming back on the thanks show. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed the show, please uh, find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. Hit subscribe, leave a review. It helps a lot.